Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Security Token Show, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're your hosts, I'm Kyle Sondland, and with me, as always, is Herwig Konings. For those of you who are new on the show, our programming is structured as follows. We always start by giving you the latest industry news, followed by the latest updates and everything around the newest security token offerings, and then finally, we have a comprehensive secondary market update report, and then ending with our main topic, which today, Herwig and I are going to be explaining the use of special purpose vehicles and what some of those purposes are and the benefits they can provide. Hey everyone, we've got another sweet episode lined up for you today, but of course we cannot get started without first doing our Company of the Week Awards, where we nominate two companies to spotlight for making the biggest moves in the industry last week. So, Kyle, who do you have for episode 67 here? My Company of the Week this week is Sterling Trading Tech, who just partnered with T0 as a new subscribing broker-dealer, but also a technology provider for the ATS, adding a third-party order management system to the platform. The T0 ATS looks to plug in sources of investors from all around the world who may be interested in buying and trading these assets. And so Sterling Trading is just the newest in the series of broker announcements. But Sterling Trading Tech is undoubtedly the largest of the bunch. The broker currently supports tens of thousands of users worldwide and provides links to over 80 execution venues in the US, currently touching about over 5% of the U.S. daily equity volumes. So they're coming with some serious heat here into the T0 market. And so one additional benefit in working with Sterling is that order management system or OMS that I mentioned. And so an OMS essentially allows for programmatic order aggregation for a broker-dealer, meaning that it allows a broker-dealer to use software to organize, buy, and sell orders from its clients instead of needing to rely on actual brokers to manually match the trades. So T0 has one for their own broker-dealer, but Sterling has built out a tech solution that can allow for white labeling for other brokers who may not have yet made that transition to the digital world. So many traditional brokers still manage over-the-counter transactions manually, and so Sterling can provide that digital interface to optimize the process and reduce the friction for onboarding new brokers to subscribe to the T0 ATS. So I think Sterling Trading Tech deserves my company of the week as the, as the firm is incredibly institutional and very successful in the traditional sector, and this is only going to accelerate the development of the great financial services in the traditional sector that are being translated into the security token industry. So, Sterling Trading Tech, welcome to the future of finance. Welcome to Security Tokens. You're my company of the week. That's a huge Wall Street company there entering the foray, T0, bringing them on board. It sounds like a win-win for everybody. Uh, and absolutely right. Welcome to the future of finance, Sterling Trading Tech. Tommy Herwick, who do you got? Well, I think everyone's probably heard the news by now, and if not, I'm about to break it down for you. But my company of the week is, is also market trading related, if you will. The big winner I have for you is Open Finance Network, which was the first ever trading platform to go live all the way back in December 2018, but since has faltered down the path and not once prior to this earning company of the week since we started this show, actually. So despite being a high-flying security token company in the industry, and it's thought to be originally the premier trading venue, the trading volume you know, ultimately revealed that there was not a lot of demand, either probably 
probably for their assets or perhaps for their platform having structural flaws or user experience issues. So we reported several months ago, even though that you know the original founder, also Juan Hernandez, had left the company, and that there were even some other strange events going on where you know they were going to potentially delist all security tokens on the platform, and then you know they quickly reversed their tune a little bit a few weeks later. So now you might be wondering why the why am I picking OFN? And you know that's because they were acquired, folks. And the reason that they are my company of the week is because they sold to another player in the space who is bullish on bringing security token trading to the world, and that is none other than INX. So INX, which is you know currently in the middle of the first ever registered tokenized IPO, uh, which you know has you know goodwill and newfound resources as a result of that to acquire OFN. So it's a, it's a win-win for everyone because of course INX needs that ATS license that OFN has. And it seems like OFN really needs a strategic acquirer that understands the space and can bring them new uh, life and potentially new listings as well, right? So presumably OFN will roll into INX over time, but you know who knows? It's unclear from the press release. Maybe INX's exchange platform remains focused on cryptocurrencies while OFN becomes the new and you know kind of remaining the brand for security tokens on their behalf. We'll have to see. But it is worth mentioning that this deal has not gone through yet, as it is, of course, pending FINRA approval and some other terms. Uh, the, and, and even, you know, there aren't actually any specific terms to share with you all, but presumably this info will come out eventually as INX, as I just mentioned, is a public company. So they're going to have to disclose something around this. And the press release did say that OFN had raised $25 million to date, which is a number wow. that, yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that before. Uh, and a website that aggregates information, by the way, called Crunchbase says they've said that they only raised $8.6 million. Uh, and they do have an undisclosed amount from Huobi and some others, but the press release also said that due to the financing, the company valuation range was in between 40 and $70 million. I mean, wow, that's a lot of millions. I, I wonder how much, as we just announced, Securitize paid for their ATS license. Uh, so listeners, I'll tell you, my hot take on this is that OFN negotiated a great deal for themselves Ooh. and that also hopefully for the industry as INX tries to take over their, you know, what seems to be potentially a struggling operation. So for that reason, Open Finance Network, you win my company of the week. Kyle, what do you think? Congratulations to Open Finance. They have five security tokens listed on their platform. So we've covered them many times, Spice VC as well as Blockchain Capital and others are listed there. So this is a very relevant acquisition of a very relevant platform in the space. It just does go to show how valuable that ATS license is. I think when we were talking about the INX fundraise originally, that was kind of a big piece of it was that they hadn't had those licenses and they, they hadn't you know registered. And so um, this, this kind of allows them to skip all that and uh, just acquire OFN. But yeah, 40 to 70 million is no joke. Uh, congratulations to everybody involved. They're starting to put the pieces together and you highlighted something interesting there. I'm not going to dovetail too much into this rabbit hole, but they are all secure listed products, which as I had just said, announced last week that they have their own ATS that they just acquired. So we'll see if that relationship stays friendly or uh, if things diverge over there. But anyway, I think let's jump right into the news. And of course, before I do, listeners, check out stomarket.com slash news. That's where we source 
all of our articles and everything we talk about on the show from and you know you can always go there to find the reference of, of these uh, articles that we discuss but if not it's right there on the podcast potentially depending on where you're listening to and you can always go to our medium blog for security token show again that's where you can find everything that we've discussed on every single podcast so starting with a light round of industry news here we, we head over to the philippines where the central bank governor has determined that it's cbdc program that stands for central bank digital currency you know, that their CBC program won't launch before 2023. So the slated digital peso project was being considered by an internal research study by the bank. But the, the reason for the delay isn't actually technical. It's uh, more so that the central bank governor says that most of his central bank colleagues aren't planning to launch their own CBDCs in the next five years. So he simply doesn't even consider his mandate to explore this since his term ends in three years. So I think perhaps maybe a little short-sighted since CBDC programs do take time and effort to develop and implement. Uh, and the reality is that dozens of them are in the works. And as we've seen by our research team in their CBDC status list on our Medium blog, you know, we've got a lot of them that are already live. So just last week or so, I also reported on the show that China was actually doing digital yuan lotteries just to try and get adoption. So this is happening, folks, but it's not going to be happening in the Philippines, not before 2024 anyway. And in Singapore, the largest bank, DBS Bank, which holds $430 billion in assets and ranks 66th largest in the world, is planning to launch a blockchain exchange for cryptocurrencies and security tokens. And this is, of course, huge news and further validation as DBS brings in Asian markets to crypto and security tokens. And specifically, the bank aims to face the exchange towards professional and institutional market investors only. So DBS Bank stated that the following as part of their announcement, quote, digital assets are poised to be the future of tomorrow's digital economy. With DBS Digital Exchange, a bank-backed digital exchange, Companies and investors can now leverage an integrated ecosystem of solutions to tap the vast potential of private markets and digital currencies. So that's exciting stuff. I mean, let's hope it launches in early 2021. More and more big validation. And it's also more industry than company specific. My next announcement here, a Swiss bank that is over 224 years old has launched a $250 million fintech fund betting on tokenization, as the article says. And its fund manager says more specifically that they're targeting the picks and shovels. But what I personally found interesting is that the thesis is focused on public companies only in the space with a minimum market capitalization of at least $500 million. So not a lot of companies to choose from that are in this space, but so far the fund has said to have invested in consulting and software companies, but hasn't disclosed which. And that's always good for the industry, I think. More mega funds ready to bet on the mass trend of capital markets tokenization. So let's hope Lombard Odier Investment Managers, that's the fund, uh, are starting this trend. Awesome news. And moving into company announcements from the space, we're kicking off with more news from T0 here, which says its retail broker platform, which was recently approved by the SEC, is now officially live under T0.com slash investors. For those of you who are confused by the significance of this, T0 is currently partnering with a front-facing broker dealer called Dinosaur, which would use T0's Pro Securities ATS license. That stands for an alternative trading system license, which you need to legally facilitate trading for security tokens. 
And it's also T0's technology on the back end to power the trades for T0 and Overstock and Aspen via Dinosaur and the T0 ATS. And now T0 has another broker dealer that it itself owns that will act as the front-facing entity, which essentially means you won't be under the Dinosaur broker domain anymore and simply directly under T0. So I don't expect major changes to the user experience really that, that, that you know would anyone would see, but of course we'll, we'll find out. And we also have a Swiss exchange saying that there are nearing regulatory approval for their security token exchange. So that would be from FINMA. Uh, over in Switzerland. So on, on Monday, in an email to users, Richard Olson, the CEO of Like, uh, I think, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's L-Y-K-K-E, said, quote, Like is very close to getting such a license to operate as a securities trader and organized trading facility, which of course means that it's allowed to trade security tokens on their platform. And this comes at a time when the company is apparently also going through a restructuring process and letting go of many of its staff. So maybe we'll see another announcement from them very soon with them actually receiving their license while they manage this change up in personnel here. And another security token trading platform made huge moves last week. This time we're talking about it's the leading UK marketplace, Archax, which is said to have closed on an $8 million seed round. So this is likely something they, you know, they started to pursue shortly after they received their FCA approval in the UK uh, back in August. And now, you know, they, they said they initially targeted $5 million, uh, but the round was so extended, you know, to, to so demanded that they extended to accommodate all these other investors. And it includes some big VC firms, including Alameda Research, Amnes Ventures, Bridge Tower Capital, Coin Fund, Edge 196, Hudson Capital, QBN Capital, and 7% Ventures. So congrats to the Archax team for this huge milestone. And it's exciting to see Q4 coming off really hot with activity in the infrastructure space here. And in fact, it didn't stop there. As it turns out, Franklin Templeton, the trillion dollar asset manager is invested in a series A round for crypto custodian Curve. That's C-U-R-V, no E. The round is said to be up to 23 million, but could be way more given you know, that the fact that there are big names like Franklin Templeton, as well as others, including Commerce Ventures, Coinbase Ventures, Coindesk uh, parent firm, Digital Currency Group, Team 8, and Digital Garage. So lots of big names there. Curve earlier this month also revealed a demonstration with BNB Paribas on security token transfers for institutions. So this could be on the cusp of that and much other success, of course, that the company is having now. And also for those of you not f familiar or maybe familiar with the St. Regis Aspen Resort, that's the security token listed on T0, you'll know that Elevated Returns is the issuer behind it. And also on the show, I recently had shared news that Elevated Returns will have its own exchange in Thailand to trade more of its real estate portfolio, which they are, of course, tokenizing. And now Elevated Returns has announced a partnership with BlockFi to enable Elevated Returns token holders to leverage BlockFi for collateralization and borrowing purposes. And so this is a big deal because BlockFi is a major player in the DeFi and lending space. And in blockchain, this is you know the first known partnership to feature security tokens to use as leverage on BlockFi. So it's, it's unclear when it is available, but the article does say by the end of the 
year uh, that they plan to have some some of that capable. So it's great to hear from BlockFi as well that they see this as a trend and an opportunity. So I'll quote here David Olson, the vice president and head of institutional services distribution at BlockFi, says, quote, tokenization allows for more efficient, democratic, and cost-effective ways for investors to access illiquid or non-traditional assets, particularly in real estate. We're excited to expand our lending activity into assets such as real estate while maintaining our commitment to risk management, liquidity, and global client service. So I'd say good stuff, BlockFi, and elevated returns there. Moving space forward. And open finance being acquired was also not their only news. The company decided to announce via press release that FINRA has approved their three-step process, which was announced in a no-action letter by FINRA a few weeks ago as an approved method for ATS broker-dealers to trade security tokens. Now, it seems that OFN is trying to claim credit for the no-action letter, saying that it, it suggested the model to the SEC and FINRA, or at least trying to make it look like so, and that the firm has been working with them for years on the matter, which, you know, of course, every broker-dealer... Uh, who's in the space is required to, to uh, cooperate with. Uh, and, and it's unclear to me who incited FINRA's response on the custody model to begin with. I've even heard a rumor that it was initiated by Coinbase's ATS. So regardless, OFN took the opportunity to tout the fact that they are a broker-dealer ready to support the three-step model. Uh, not clear exactly how, but maybe that also helped boost its valuation. And the last company announcement I have for you is from Vault 12, which is a custody solution for digital assets. It's announced a tool called Digital Inheritance, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a way to securely leave digital assets via inheritance to others, which if you added security tokens into that could be potentially an absolute game changer. So cool stuff that Vault 12 could be working on there. And finally, I have two resource articles for you to consider reading. Julie Mitz from the Blockchain App Factory analyzes the strong demand for real estate crowdfunding and tokenization on communal news. And Rachel Wolfson on Cointelegraph does a deep dive on distributed ledger technology security standards and how it'll affect legacy industries, where she actually interviews Paul DiMarzio, who's the marketing director of the Interwork Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating global standards for tokenized ecosystems. So this one definitely gets a little more technical if you're a fan of that side of the industry. And that's it when it comes to all of last week's news for you all. So, Kyle, what's uh, coming up on industry events or, or webinar-wise? Well, we have two events coming up this week. The first is the Futurist Conference 2020 that's hosted by Untraceable on November 11th to 12th. So, according to the Eventbrite page, the event brings together leading experts from around the globe, including developers, investors, startups, enterprise leaders, financial institutions, academics, and emerging tech pioneers. Experts in artificial intelligence, security tokens, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, gaming, and the metaverse are all on display. So that starts at 12 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday, November 11th, and will go through the 12th. Finally, on November 13th, the next day is the Digital Assets Investment Conference hosted by STO Box. All the events are free, but this one actually does offer a VIP pass that gives you some exclusive access to speakers and panels, among other things, and already has nine listed speakers. So it's maybe worth checking out if you're interested. Again, it's free. So 
all of these links you can find for everything that we did on the news segment, as well as what we're going to get into for the STO updates and everything through the rest of the podcast. As a reminder, is from stomarket.com slash news, so you can get everything there. And I think it's time to just dive right into it. Yeah, some really great events coming up in November, but tell us what's going on in the markets and the STOs. Yeah, so only only one piece of news from the security token offerings segment this week, but it's a great one. Total Network Services Corporation, which is a blockchain services company, announced the closure of its tokenized Series A funding round. Capital advisory and financial technology firm Dealbox was structuring the security token and managed the issuance as well as the marketing support through the offering process alongside the issuer. And so Total Network Services, it actually seems like it was probably a smaller round because they used this positive press release to also announce the intentions to commence a follow-on Series B security token offering for up to 25 million. So the offering will begin in November and will be promoted on the Dealbox marketplace. So I'm going to give you more information when that next round is live, but it seems like from what I was able to read, they raised a little bit of money essentially as a bridge round to be able to get them through the issuance process. They were able to successfully do that. And now they've issued, they're, 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 they're in the process of, of fundraising for their security token issuance through the Dealbox platform. But congratulations to Total Network for getting at least the first leg of the, or the race down. Yeah, not uncommon for security token issuers to pursue. And so that's great to see them uh, live. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get more updates from that from you in the future. Absolutely. And diving into the secondary markets. So just like with the news that you can find on stomarket.com slash news, you can find all of the pricing data sourced from stomarket.com. That covers multiple different jurisdictions. That covers over 20 security tokens now. And we're talking about $533 million in assets. That is up about 1% from where we saw it last week, but really pretty negligible. Overstock, unfortunately, deviated from the stock price. And I'm talking about the overstock token, which moved harshly downward around 13%, landing at around $61 compared to the public shares that are sitting at the $71 mark. So it's pretty fascinating to watch the tokenized overstock shares and the common stock of overstock trading on NASDAQ and watch how they're performing differently on the open markets. Some weeks we cover it that the token is increasing in value and getting closer and closer to the stock. Some weeks it's the opposite and it's been fascinating to watch that over the last couple of months. And so despite the overstock or OSTKO price dip, the T0 token is still performing very well, closing right near the $7 mark and only about a dollar from its closing price on the first day of trading almost two years ago, which I do have to say is the highest that it ever closed at. So we're nearing kind of that that price that they sold a lot of their initial tokens out, which is great news. And hopefully they can start earning their investors, all investors that bought in um, some good returns. And so it's been a long journey, but at least we're, we're heading in the right direction there. BCAP was up this week after a sharp price drop last week. And because of something that we were talking about last week in terms of the positive news of blockchain capital's increased quarter three net asset value, um, it's still trading at a 60% deficit to what the firm's assets are valued at according to their net asset value calculations, which suggests that either investors disagree with the company valuations in the portfolio, or they aren't confident enough in the liquidity and demand for the asset on the secondary market. So that is trading on open finance network. And it was up 38% this week, but trading volumes were, were very low. So you have to take that with just a little bit of a grain of salt. 
And finally, real estate bounced back well this week with the average property up about three and a half percent over the entire trading week, which again, for these real estate properties, trading on Uniswap is 24 seven, unlike T0, which only trades nine to four. So headlining the success this week was Marlowe Street and Schaefer Road properties. Each were up almost 9% in equity value this week on top of the dividends that they paid out. So I would say yet again, real estate proving to be a successful use case and, and performing well in the markets. Incredible. Another great report. And it's clear to me every single week from these, Kyle, that there's a real market and it's seeding itself and growing and there are real investment opportunities that are beginning to emerge. You know, the fact that there are discounts on security tokens compared to the actual market values like Overstock and BCAP tells me that there's definitely still a liquidity discount for security tokens, of course, but for you know long-term investors, even 12 months out, you know, they should be salivating over these arbitrage opportunities. I would think the, the statistics and the, the market data speaks for itself, but for sure, this is part of the key argument why price transparency is crucial for these assets. Investors need to know what they're buying and the historical prices in order to make an informed decision for themselves. But beyond that, I am excited to transition to the show into our final segment this week, our main topic, which is focused on breaking down the use of special purpose vehicles in financial markets. And so Herwig, I know that you have a very strong background on this topic, and I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, this week's topic is definitely going to be more financially technical without so much focus on blockchain or tokenization. However, the function of special purpose vehicles are massively important to the capital markets, whether it be from the perspective of you know, Enron and their actual you know, uh, use cases or in their, how they're actually being used today. So special purpose vehicles or SPVs you know, are kind of like a banker investor's training wheels. And after this segment, you will hopefully understand why SPVs will play a critical role in the security token industry moving forward and why we need to have a whole main topic dedicated to just this subject. Yeah, this is definitely an important topic when it comes to investing in general. Like as an investor or an issuer, an SPV is a massively useful tool. They can be efficient structures to manage a syndicate of investors and offer faster liquidity because an SPV represents a legal structure allowing investors to group together and act as a corporation instead of just a group of individuals, presenting many functional benefits to those investors. Right, right. So let's unpack that, okay? So as the name suggests, and as Kyle just illustrated, most SPZ, SPVs have a function of syndication. So syndication occurs when multiple investors are brought together to fulfill the full financing round together. So let's you know dissect this as an example to understand what the role of the SPV is playing here. So first, we're establishing a business entity for the sole purpose of managing an investment on behalf of a group of investors. So the vehicle part is referring to the entity entity, which most commonly is an LLC. That's a limited liability company. It's very easily to you know, set up and structure as an SPV, but it's certainly not limited to any one specific tax structure for an entity for you know setting up an SPV. That's absolutely right. You could have SPVs all around the world with LLCs having different rules and structures, as well as the regulation differences across jurisdictions. So that's why many foreign investors will use a special purpose vehicle as a tax shield in order to make an investment in something 
something. So common locations for this in the US are the Bahamas or the Caymans or the British Virgin Islands where Europe has Ireland, which was and I believe still remains very popular, as well as other options like Malta and Estonia also offering strong benefits. In Asia, you've got Singapore and Hong Kong and the like that are also acting as conduits for foreign capital into the region, which is almost always formed using an SPV special purpose vehicle in those specific locations. And another great example of you, uh, you know, using an SPV right there, Kyle. Tax havens exist all over the world, and SPVs play the role of housing a specific investment in that location to prevent tax triggers and other situations. Great, great example. Yeah, but I didn't mean to steal it away from syndication. So let's go back and revisit that use case. Can you walk us through an example of using an SPV, Herwig? I think we should absolutely do that. So let's say we're a group of investors, and we've come across an amazing investment opportunity. It could be the next big startup. It could be a house or a building we'll develop. It could be Kyle's crazy cousin's pineapples commodities funds. And we need to come up with $10 million in order to make that investment. The problem is you and I only want to each put up a million dollars. So we need eight more people to at least do the same. Now, Kyle's crazy cousin, let's call him McGregor. Connor McGregor is my cousin, yes, with a crazy pineapple commodities hedge fund. Yep, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> All right, the thing is, <laughs> McGregor is crazy and only will do business with Kyle. So we have a dilemma because only Kyle can invest. But Connor doesn't care if you invest directly or if you use a special purpose vehicle, Kyle. So instead of you being a personal owner, Kyle's actually going to set up I don't know, Pineapple SPV1 LLC and now has the capacity to add investors like me and others while Connor McGregor just sees one investor on his capitalization table. That's his ownership chart. Right. So from a management perspective, my crazy cousin or the issuer that you are investing in doesn't need to worry about adding 10 new investors and dealing with each one of them individually. It's just one vehicle that a lead investor manages and sometimes might even take a fee for doing all that work. Right. And the rest of us are happy potentially just to be able to participate in the deal. And so furthermore, an SPV investment on our side means that I can trust Kyle as the lead investor to take care of my investment, allowing me to you know, be a little bit more of a passive investor. But it also gives other capabilities, one most of all being the ability to sell your investment easier. So to be clear, we're talking about an SPV investment being easier to sell being an investor directly in a company, right? So the SPV is easier to, to sell and transfer than if you were to just do it directly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So when you are directly investing into the company, you may typically need to require the permission from the issuer to sell that investment. So perhaps you may even need board approval. Now with an SPV, all you really need is that SPV manager approval, which in this case is Kyle, which means that if I can legally sell after my lockup period, then I can do that much easier by assigning them my stake in the SPV in exchange for cash instead of jumping through hoops to sell my shares directly within the company. Right, right. So in that way, I want to make the distinction that the process is still completely manual. So you still need lawyers involved and the share registry is managed by the SPV manager typically on Excel. So with security tokens, this process is entirely digital and can become so much more efficient, also enabling for self-custody for investors through security tokens, which means the capability of creating markets and digital transfers and atomic swaps for the shares themselves, which are all something that just aren't possible without blockchain and are very exciting to talk about. Uh, I mean, totally. SPV 
tokenization will be a huge thing and play a huge role. We will touch on that in just a sec, but hopefully our listeners are starting to get an idea here now for why people are setting up and using SPVs in the first place. Yeah, I think another example is portfolio management. When you have all your different assets in an SPV, it's much easier to manage them all through tools like series SPVs, which you should definitely ask your attorney about. And SPVs are also much easier to lever against. Lever against, as in like you're talking about loading them up with debt, right? Yeah. So thanks to an SPV now owning the asset, say 10% of a hot startup worth $100 million, we can now find somebody that wants to use the SPV as collateral to let us take out a loan in cash for, let's say, $5 million, while the SPV still continues to grow in value. In that regard, if you have a portfolio, you could easily combine all of them to get even better terms or an even larger loan. Yeah, right. And if you invested in all these opportunities personally without an SPV, you would have to now personally guarantee your assets, right? It becomes a much more difficult process to take advantage of something like this. You know, that's definitely another great example. I hope our you know listeners, you're putting this together that SPVs are essentially the first version of tokenization, right? Enabling a lot of these financial benefits that weren't before possible that we've been talking about on the show. Easier liquidity, easier investor management, easier leverage capabilities. Yeah, it's kind of like... SPVs are almost like smart contracts too, where trusts or other common uses that can be structured for the purpose of wealth transfer. So the same goes for corporations who want to house intellectual property separately, just like you would any other asset because of portfolio benefits that we've already mentioned. Yeah, I mean, totally. SPVs are incredible tools, but can also be opaque and misused, which is what Enron did back in the day. So there's a great documentary called The Smartest Guys in the Room. If you want to learn more about that, really highly recommend that. But all in all, SPVs are, you know, they're a very useful structure. They're a vehicle, if you will, for investors, whether it's for syndication, tax shielding, investor management, wealth transfer, or even to create leverage and liquidity, which is why they will play such an important role in the security token space, because there will be so many tokenized SPVs. So maybe we should just wrap up the segment by telling us why somebody would tokenize an SPV. I mean, that's definitely a softball question here, Kyle. I'll try to answer in the order of magnitude. So the, the first is definitely, I'd say, international access. So SPVs can access global markets for liquidity or leverage or tax shielding purposes, which means we're going to see even more SPVs get used for tokenization for those three purposes because it makes it that much easier. But also going back towards investor management, obviously security tokens enable much greater efficiencies and capabilities that you couldn't do manually, you know, from automated dividend distribution to being able to handle even larger investor sizes to, of course, offering self-custody for investors. Security tokens will be the future of SPVs just as they are the future for all assets and securities. I mean, now you throw in programmatic asset management and you'll be able to take advantage of the benefits of SPVs better and easier than ever before. That's very well said, Herwig, and I, I think that pretty much explains SPVs and their relationship to security tokens and financial markets. Of course, it's a tricky topic, so we're always happy to answer your questions on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever on the topic. We also do sometimes speak a lot of jargon, so whenever you hear a word you don't quite understand, I highly recommend you go to our YouTube channel where you can find all of our main topic segments that are individually clipped out right there, so you can kind of maybe look up a glossary of the different terms we've talked about and concepts we've covered in the past to help you understand just a little bit better. We've got over 66 different topics for you to listen to right now, and that's only going to grow. Yeah, definitely, and be sure to join our community at stomarket.com news. That's where you can submit other articles and events and also comment on it. You can also ask questions to the community. So anyway, we hope to catch you again next week on Tuesday for episode 68. Thanks for listening. <laughs>